Keeping It 1000 podcast with George Carl and Adam Matas is presented with limited commercial interruption thanks to DraftKings. I'm telling you, there's 100 million reasons why you should listen up. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is celebrating the return of sports by giving away up to $100 million in prizes. It's so crazy. To all of their customers, including one lucky winner who will take home a million-dollar cash prize. To claim your share of up to $100 million in instant giveaways, all you have to do is download, download the app and sign up using the promo code DNVR. Then enter DraftKings' free football survivor pool. Yes, it's really that easy to claim your share of up to $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running to win $1 million cash prize. Well, the top prize is reserved for just one lucky winner. Everyone who signs up and enters DraftKings' free football survivor pool will receive an instant bonus prize of at least $5 in value upon entering. While you're in the app, don't forget to check out all the great odds boosts. Those odds boosts are incredible. You almost can't lose with, the, with some of the boosts that they give you. And the promotions DraftKings Sportsbook is offering every single day to celebrate this week's basketball and, and golf action. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR when you do. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's get to the show. Welcome in, people of Colorado and all the good people all over the world to the Keeping It 1000 podcast with Adam Mades and Coach George Carl. We are here to talk about what is going on in this series through three games. The Utah Jazz lead two games to one. Denver got the first one, I think, in, um, you know, heroic or miraculous fashion, however you want to put it. A, a, a nice come-from-behind win that took the, went to overtime where they pulled it out. They have since been, I think, thoroughly dominated on the defensive end and stymied on the offensive end. That's my perspective. Coach, am I, if we just look big picture here, 10,000 foot view, is that a nice summary, a close, maybe even lucky win, you would say, in game one and, and just dominated throughout the rest of games two and three? Uh, yeah, I would say it, you know, the way I would phrase it is, they might have won a game because of um, you know, a great player playing great in game one. Yeah. It was probably equal. I don't know if Utah played better. I think Denver played better in the first half. Utah played yeah. better in the second. Uh, you know, I, I think in situations like this, though, it's important that uh, from my standpoint is what you bring to your team is some simple thoughts. Um, and you know, there, some of them are going to be physical execution oriented game situation oriented, but this is more of a mental challenge, I think, mm. because what I see is a team that's kind of disconnected a little bit yeah. and that's a little magnified by Utah being ultimately very playing marvelous basketball connected yeah. and playing as a unit at a high level. I mean, the first game, Donovan Mitchell was spectacular, but the last two games, the team was spectacular. Right. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, the, the, the thought for me is mentally staying, staying positive. Um, what I've always known about the NBA is when you get blown out by 30 
it's not as bad as you ever think it is. And when yeah. you win by 30, it's never as good as you think it is. A mm. lot of it is the timing, everything that went together blew up on you. Uh, the momentum swings never came your way. The, the referee's whistle never came your way. Uh, um, but there is a, you know, a mental despair going on with the Denver Nuggets. And it's kind of all over the place. I mean, yeah. you, can yell, you can yell at Jokic and Murray. You can yell at a little bit, you know, you know Grant Porter, Torrey Craig. Seem like they're searching. They're a little thirsty offensively. Um, their bench has been good. The bench got destroyed in game three. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a lot of it. A lot of it, I think, is confidence and trust and hey we're a good team we we were damn good this year and had damn good games and the and the thing is you know as coaches we we overthink what to do and we worry so much that we can't stop this from happening but in the same sense today i think you gotta go in and, and cheerlead that we, we we can do this we can trust each other yeah. and we can bounce back the deficit, even though the dominance feels like they've lost seven games. Right. They've only lost two. Two to one. And, you know, I think this is the same scenario in, in Portland. The same uh, – was it San Antonio? They were down 2-1 also? They were down 2-1, yep. And it, and it looked – not maybe not as bad as this, but it certainly looked like San, San Antonio had outplayed them for a majority of all three of the first three games. And I think the thing that – you also got to realize is they did, got a hell of a wild card and Conley coming back and playing great. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just, I, I, I'm, I, I'm kind of lost because I didn't expect this. Yeah. But in the same sense, it's a basketball game tomorrow. It starts, you know, it's 48 minutes. We know how to play basketball at a high level and that's where we got to go. Yeah. So you kind of answered the question there, but you're talking about the disconnect between the team. And I'm just curious. We watched game one together. We, we were talking back and forth. I was picking your brain. Um, did you have any sense of this is how the next couple of games would go when we were watching game one? Was there anything in there that made you think Denver could fall disconnected like this? Um. You know, the only thing I feel a little bit when Denver plays is there's too many guys searching down shots. Mm. And then basically that's going, are the rules, the rules R-O-L-E-S. Yeah. And the rules R-U-L-E-S. Okay. <laughs> of of the, uh, the players other than Jokic and Murray, are they defined well enough to play playoff basketball? Mm, that's really interesting. I mean, you got Michael Porter yeah. goes into the bubble, lights it up, is the number one scorer on the court. Right. He's the number one option on the court because Jokic likes to to be the facilitator. Yeah. And then they play what three or four games, and then you know Porter comes down to earth a little bit, and I think he doesn't know what his role is or what what a good shot is or what shot they they want to take. And it's hard for a coach in a period of five, six, seven games yeah. to change personalities. 
Yeah. You know? And Porter went from a 15-minute a player to a guy shooting the ball, you know, number one option. Right. I think that confused the team a little bit. And then, for whatever reason, not putting value on the wins in the bubble. Right. You know, Murky, Murray and Jokic might have got a little free, a little loose yeah. with responsibility. Um, and then they win game one, so they probably don't – maybe they don't feel the negative of Utah, pretty good damn good, damn good team. They're right. thinking the opposite. We can get this. We can we we can we can get we can get the next one. And I don't think, I mean, I, what I didn't see is the offense kind of searching as much as it's searching right now. Yeah. Defensively, you know, they they were statistically the worst, but there are a lot of bad defense in the in the bubble. Right. And there, and there still is. But the teams that are trying are, are trying to figure it out are, are are starting to play defense. Houston, Boston, Toronto. Uh, I think you saw the Clippers and Lakers moving in the direction. Yeah, understand that we can't just outscore people. And Denver, maybe they've tried to do it, but they're playing a team that really puts a lot of pressure on you. A lot of pressure on making good decisions. Yeah. And what they're putting, they're putting Denver's best offensive players always got to make those decisions. Right. I mean, they have Murray, Porter, and Jokic in a high, high percentage of the first option of the actions. Defensively, and, you're saying. Those guys are yeah. being forced to defend, yeah. They're, they're being forced. Jokic is being forced to cover the pick and roll. Then he's being forced how to cover penetration. Right, and they're attacking the paint big time. Every one of them was. Yeah, I mean, every I mean, they got a lot and of with guys. Con- yeah. And with with Conley on the court, they have four playmakers. O'Neal likes to pass the ball. Ingles likes to pass the ball. Uh, Murray, I mean uh, Conley is a point guard, and Mitchell is into making the team operate, even though he's scoring a lot of numbers too. Yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting. I want to. There's two ideas there, but I want to go back to the first one, which I think is really interesting. If you go back to who this Nuggets team has been, not even just throughout the regular season this year, but really the last, the regular season, the last couple, it's been okay. Jokic is the fulcrum. Jamal Murray is the pick and roll ball handler. Will Barton is the third option. I mean, he was the definitive, I think, third option sort of for Denver, especially with in terms of touches and handling the ball. So you take, and then you had Gary Harris, who I think knew what his role was. He was the fifth option. He was a low-usage defensive guy. You take out Gary Harris and you take out Will Barton, perhaps we did underestimate, or I did. I don't know if you did, but I know I did maybe underestimated that clarity. More than anything else, the clarity of, okay, this is the pecking order here and there. And then you fast forward to the bubble. Michael Porter Jr. looks like an all-star for four games, right? He's the first team or second team all-bubble. And I think, yeah, the idea, okay, he's going to be important to this run but maybe that role undefined. And we saw when Murray came back, even in the inside the seeding game, it was maybe a little bit unclear about, okay, where does he fit into the equation? What, what does he do here? And this is before you get to the whole defensive identity of, of Michael Porter and what he does to the team, just offensively where his role is. So I think that's a really good point about Denver and just who are they as a basketball team was unclear after eight seeding games. 
and so seeing it in the play, every game that has gone f- further in this playoffs for the Nuggets, the offensive identity has become more jumbled and more unclear. And I think before you even get to the defensive part, to me that that seems to make a lot of sense. Can they solve, fix that though? Between you know, is, is there like a I don't know what Denver's identity is, regardless of what combination. Let's say you replaced Michael Porter and threw Jeremy Grant out there. Do we know what that looks like offensively? Do we know what, who, what, what the roles are then? I like the idea of putting my best defensive team on the court. And I think that Grant for Porter helps that area. Keep Millsap in the lineup uh, and, and play a more veteran demand more defense and maybe your shot selection will come along and it seems that team would also be more oriented to play through murray and Jokic, which is your best option yeah sometimes early in the game it seems everybody's kind of Jokic wants to feel everything out well it's time to take more responsibility murray and Jokic, at the offensive end court to make it work um I don't know. You know, for me, I said after game one, Jokic, I'd like to see him pass the ball a little bit more, be, be that double-digit assist guy. Murray and Jokic right now, being young players, what happens when you get kind of punched? Everybody goes a little bit individual. I, give me the ball. I'll, I'll, I'll solve the problem. But Utah's playing at such a high efficiency. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're giving up rim, you're giving up threes, you're giving up transition, you're giving up offensive rebounds. Um, I would go back to a more old school mentality of let's get defense under control a little bit. Now, Coach Malone knows his team better than I do, and maybe maybe it's easier to fix the offense. But I think the interesting thing is, is – Going back to what I said, understanding your role. Yeah. And without Barton and uh, Gary Harris not playing, there's this window that's opened up. And instead of, okay, we've had, we've had 82 games. When this window opens up, it's Michael Porter's job. Or it's Gary, it's, uh, it's Grant's job. Or we're going to play small and play Monte and, and Torrey Craig together. I don't think that's been well-defined. And, and then I think when Coach Malone searches, he plays a lot of people. And that yeah. makes it less defined. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I would be playing those here. I don't know if I'd be playing anymore. I, I would shorten it mm. and tell him, hey, this is where we're going shorter. And we want more responsibility and more demand of detail in that responsibility. We talked on our last episode, or maybe it was the first one, about the relationship between offense and defense and how it, it often, you know, you have good on one end of the court, it's going to improve your opportunities on the other. I look at that first quarter yesterday and I see Denver has 12 points. I think they gave up 27 or something like that, 20, 25, 25 to 12, something like that. And I look at 25 and I go, okay, that's not, that, that's not the worst, especially with how efficient they have. But 12 points, 12 points in a quarter for a team that, sort of prides himself on offense to me that's obviously not sustainable but you're it sounds like you and Michael Malone I, I think it's very clear he has stressed defense over and over again and rightfully so they're giving up a, a, a gazillion points right now in the pick and roll is there anything to 
the Nuggets getting a little bit more offensive rhythm, offensive flow, and that improving their defense? Well, my belief is the only way you're going to turn this around in a game is players think you do it by trying to outscore that team. You do it by making stops. Mm. You do it by making more physical activity. Um, You know, can you go to a double team game a little bit more? I know they're shooting the hell out of a three, but they're shooting the hell out of a three in the rhythm of the draw and kick game. Make them play off a rotation. Make them fine. I, you know, my whole thing is how do you get confidence? To me, starts with defense and aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe putting some schemes in the game to be more aggressive, to try to hit the ball, try to get more deflections, try to try to get some offense from your defense. Um, the rebounding thing. I mean, Gobert. I mean, what they do is they play pick and roll. Jokic gets struck, stretched out on the floor, and Gobert's underneath the basket with a bunch of six-five guys. Yeah, and that's 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 the nature of the the gap game, the draw and kick game, is you penetrate so much, the rebound becomes a, a better play, uh, and Gobert's bought into it. Not a lot of big guys buy into that game. He has. Yeah, and you know he has a big time first half. Um. You know, Ingles and Clarkson had very good, you know, very good uh, supporting roles. They played well. Everybody played well for them. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know how you do it. Trust the offense. Um, but, the, again, the two things that I think create trust is defense and passing. It's, it's not individuality. Right. It's not g- give me the ball. It's kind of not like how Murray won game one. Right. That was heroics. Yeah. You know, that was like, wow, this is an individual taking over. Well, that's good to have every once in a while, but it doesn't build your foundation of trust and belief in each other right. and the team. And that, that's what I saw in game two, a little bit in the end of game one, is the leadership of Mitchell is pretty impressive. And I think – People got to understand that if you go back to last year, the way Jamal Murray is playing now is Donovan Mitchell as he played against Houston last year. He was up and down. As the series went on, he got really, really controlled. Right. Didn't play with a lot, you know, shot the ball poorly, kind of played poorly, kind of played selfish. That game has changed now. Right. He's matured. Uh, you know, he and Damon Lillard are two guys that have kind of lifted themselves into maybe being a top 10 player in the NBA. Uh, and, and they're out to prove something. And they're hungry. They're, they're together and they're happy. But all that can be taken away by a, a, a tough-minded win today. I mean, tomorrow. So – Tough-minded. This gets me to what I think is sort of the central question. I've watched this Nuggets team now for several years. We've seen Jokic. I call these emotional funks where it almost just feels like you're getting much less than 100% out of him. He almost checks out both on both ends of the court. And to me, that's what it looked like happened in game three. They were getting, I mean, he was getting absolutely roasted in that pick and roll and, and dominated in his individual matchup. But it looked like the spirit left him 
in that game. Am I? Did you see? Not. And I'm speaking of him specifically because he's the the center of the team. He's the he's the main piece of the team. Did you see that from him? And did you see that from the rest of the guys? Did it look like when they got knocked down, they just kind of stayed down? They looked like they didn't want to be there. Yeah. They, you know, I've been reading some stuff that some of the players are starting to complain about the bubble. It's yeah. like being in jail. Right. Yep. I don't, you know, um, and that, that's mental focus. It just comes down to you. Yeah. It's not an easy hand to be dealt, but we're basketball players. We get paid a lot to play basketball. That's the hand we're dealt. We got to go with it. Um, you know, the leadership, the, the guidance of the team, I mean, not only for this year and last year, but for three or four years, I've never known who the leader was. Yeah. You know, the guy that has leadership quality is Millsap, but he's quiet. Right. He's not demanding. And, and, then, and then Jokic and, and Murray lead by scoring by putting big numbers up and leading the offense more than the defense. But today's game, the little things become more important. The dirty work becomes more important. That's probably why I would start Grant and, uh, and bring Porter off the bench. But I, 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 I've also kind of want more decision makers on the floor too. Those are yeah. the two things I'm looking for is more defense, maybe more toughness, um along the way and uh, and uh, making the game making the game have more flow and rhythm yeah the leadership thing is really interesting because i think with denver i i, I assume they've had a quiet team richard jefferson was on this team i think three seasons ago and that was the the number one comment he had is, is like i've never been on a team that's so quiet the gym's empty at practice nobody's talking and that always stood out to me and i thought okay they're young Maybe the plan is and the hope is that a, a leader will emerge from the group. They're, they're young and one will grow into that guy and kind of be it. And, you know, watching it, I think Murray has taken steps in that direction. I think he's, he's tried, but it's still not to the level that you're talking about. A guy that I don't know what was said. There was reference after the game to there was some conversation that, that Jokic said that's the locker room thing. We're not going to talk about what was said after the game. But it sounds like something was said and somebody spoke up to some degree. But I just don't know – if the Nuggets have that guy that has that voice and has established himself so that when he does, they do speak that it, it means something of value that everybody sort of rallies behind. And, and I think that's one of the really interesting and curious things about what happens with this team. And then the other thing you watch the bubble, the seeding games, new Orleans Pelicans. Okay. There were a lot of people picked them to make it. They lose their first two. And I thought the spirit was taken from them because they went from, okay, we have a chance to make this to we really have a really thin chance. We got to be our best. They didn't seem to see it and they kind of lost everything. And there's other teams, Sacramento, there's other teams that did this. I wonder with Denver, if there is that level of, we don't look and feel and believe to be a championship team. So getting that playoff hundred percent from us inside this prison, as they're calling it, I wonder if there is a little bit more draw to quit a little bit more of that. Hey, we're almost out of this, this hell. Um, and, and maybe it's harder to even overcome that. Do you think that plays the bubble malaise? I think they're calling it. Do you think that plays a, a larger factor than usual in the playoffs? You know, I see things like that that you could, I mean, the exact opposite on the positive side, 
Phoenix started winning games, and they yes. got they got excited as hell, and they carried that momentum throughout. Portland won a lot of close games early, yeah. and they saw the hope that they could make the playoffs. Their momentum continued. Playoff basketball, you go home to your home court, to your home crowd to get some confidence and some momentum. That's not there anymore. For the teams that are in malaise where they're struggling, they don't have the pickup of the home court, the energy of, of playing in your own building. Um, Even so friends it's and got family. To, they don't have friends and family there, to, you know, just that, that sort of release. And, you know, and, and the, finding the connection is harder. Finding that belief is harder now because of similarities that we've had in our history of, of basketball are totally different in the bubble. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Um, if you, how much of coaching is playing psychologist and, <laughs> and specifically I'm talking about, I think Jokic is such a unique personality, at least from the outside. I'm, I'm playing armchair psychologist here, which I know is dangerous, but just watching him, he just, he seems to be different than wired differently than a lot of players. How much of coaching is playing psychologist and how would you play psychologist specifically with him from what you've seen? Well, I would say coaching is at least 50% all ego management and attitude adjustment and maybe larger yeah. when you got a young team that's searching. Um, with Jokic, I don't know who he trusts in the coaching staff. But you got you to gotta go nose to nose with them. Yeah. You got to go sit down and say, how can, I make, how can I help you? And let's talk about some of the things I think you need to do. Uh, you know, you listen to him, and then you give some responsibilities to him. Um, you know, I got to feel him more. I got to feel him as, as – I mean, I feel Donovan Mitchell. I feel Oh, yeah. I felt Michael Conley. I haven't. I mean, the only time I felt Murray was the last two minutes of the, the first game in an right. overtime. He had he had one other spurt, I think, in game one in the in the second quarter. I mean, if you're our best players, I want I want to feel you, and and maybe even feel you to the point of making mistakes. Be more aggressive. Don't be more passive. And I think everybody's, you know, on Jokic because he's passive. Yeah. You know, he doesn't assert, he doesn't demand, he doesn't kick ass, he doesn't, he doesn't lead with enthusiasm. He leads with uh, skills and, and cuteness and passes and cleverness. Um, playoffs are a little more tough-minded tough, or physically minded, tough-minded, yeah. mentally tough. Uh, uh, and, and finding them without the home crowd now finding them maybe without two of your best players not playing now, finding them with young guys that never played here before now. Uh, you got Utah with, with a good deal of experience, you know. Mm -hmm. Mike Conley is very experienced. Yeah. Um, you know, all the guys that have been on that team have been there for at least one year, maybe two years now, playing playoff basketball no, and, having, and, be, and failing. Right. They haven't had success. Right. But uh, they're hungry. They're dedicated and focused. And um, I think I think Denver's got to jump up and match that. Yeah. 
Um, you talk about leadership and I think that's a huge part of it before we're going to talk about some of the like more X's and O's and technical adjustments and things here coming up right after this, but this is uh, looking more broad and, and painting in more broad strokes. You talked about leadership. The other thing, and, and we've kind of touched on this is toughness, the actual just tough players. Do they have tough characters, not just physically, but, but emotionally as well. And do the nuggets have a toughness deficiency of players? I mean, you're asking some of these guys to be tougher. And I think that's part of it, but do they have guys that you say that's a tough dude and you know, you're going to have him in the, in the trenches. Well, again, it, you know, if I had, okay, who are the tough guys on Denver? I would probably put Gary Harris, hmm. um, Craig and, and Barton probably be one, two and three in my mind. Hmm. And so two of those guys aren't playing. And, you know, Torrey Craig is playing 30 minutes when I think he's a 20-minute guy and maybe less if you're playing well. And, you know, I understand what Coach Malone's doing, putting him on Mitchell because they, that's his comfort zone. But I, I think you got to put Grant on him some, put Monte Moore's on him some. I mean, give some other guys chances to find the toughness, uh, you know, the – or find, you know, find whatever you're searching for, trust and confidence and belief. It's Adam Adis again telling you there are 100 million reasons why you should listen up. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, the sponsor of the show, celebrating the return of sports by giving away up to $100 million in prizes to all of their customers, including one lucky winner who will take home a $1 million cash prize. To claim your share of up to $100 million in instant giveaways, all you have to do is download the app and sign up using promo code DNBR. Then enter DraftKings free survivor pool or football survivor pool. Yes, it's that simple, that easy for you to claim your share of the $100 million in instant prize giveaways and put yourself in the running for up to $1 million cash prize. Well, the top prize is reserved for one lucky winner. Everyone who signs up and enters DraftKings free football survivor pool will receive an instant bonus prize of at least $5 in, in value upon entering. While you're in the app, don't forget to check out all of the great odds boosts and promotions DraftKings Sportsbook is offering every single day to celebrate this week's basketball and golf action. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR to claim your share of $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for up to $1 million cash prize, uh, top prize. That's promo code DNVR to get your share of $100 million in prizes only at DraftKings. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. So heading now to game four, you it seems like we've talked about this. You think Denver needs to make a lineup adjustment. I think they're going to make a lineup adjustment to their starting lineup. It sounds like you would lean just one player being changed, and that's Jeremy Grant in for Michael Porter. Is there any other sort of shakeup you would consider? First of all, is that what you would do? And second, is there another shakeup you would do to that starting unit? Um, I, I have no problem going small. I think everybody knows I, I, pr I prefer small. Yeah. Uh, they're out rebounding you now with all of your big guys playing, so screw it. Right. Play, play quick. Make the rebounds, you know, more more bouncy rebounds rather than power rebounds. Um, <clears throat> you know, for me, I would kind of try to help Porter out coming off the bench. If you're going to bench him, help him out. Whoever plays best with him, 
Is that Millsap? Is that Morris? Is that uh, is that uh, Jokic? I I mean I don't know that, but I think the coaches should know that. Protect him a little bit because he is shooting the ball well, but his shot selection is defense. I mean, as the series goes on, when he is on the court, he's just got to understand he's going to be attacked. Right. And it, I mean, every game has gotten a little bit more. And I, that's not going to change. Uh, Jokic, can you give him a defensive responsibility on the pick and roll? Maybe different than now? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you got Donovan Mitchell, really confident. You got Conley's a good pick and roll guy. And Joe Ingles is a good pick and roll guy. So they have a number of guys that can put Jokic in that, <clears throat> what I call no man's land. Yeah. And he doesn't know, he's not covering the ball. He's not covering the basket. He gets caught and it doesn't look very good. Yeah. What would you do in the pick and roll? I mean, is there, is there a, something you would try to emphasize? Is, uh, Malone talked about you have to take something away right now. Denver's not taking anything away. Is there, is there something you'd say, this is the thing we won't allow. And this is the thing we're going to contest, but you know, they're going to beat us. They're going to beat us here. Um, you know, again, the easiest way to control the pick and roll is switch. So can you play Grant on Mitchell and you switch? Mm. Uh, you have a chance of rebounding the ball. Then you're going to have Jokic covering Mitchell. Right. Then you got you to put a fence up. Yeah. When, when the mismatch on the perimeter happens, the guys who are one pass away got to squeeze. And if they squeeze and get out quickly, and you, you're going to live with O'Neal, Ingles. Uh, Conley scares me a little bit, but you got to pick someone to say, hey, we're going to live with this guy making shots. Yeah. I would probably lean towards O'Neal. So you, you squeeze, you rotate, and the guy you leave open is O'Neal. Yeah. And just count on him to hit seven, eight, nine, three. I mean, you really make him a volume shooter, not just a guy that hits him occasionally. And then they were, they were probably going to bring Clarkson in in that role. Right. And then you got to have your second option. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. So one of the things that Utah has done such a good job of, I think the play that as I know it is Horn's twist, where they're basically putting a guard to guard sweet, uh, screen on the ball, usually Donovan, and then bringing Gobert up. So if your your plan here, it just seems like they would be able to bring off. If you put Jeremy Grant on him, which is the length that you, you're hoping then he can rotate down onto Rudy Gobert on that switch. But if they switch that first, you know, you could target who you want on him. Maybe that's Mitchell. Maybe it's Millsap. Um, first of all, is that what you're seeing? That specific action, the guard to guard pick first and then the pick and roll. And then how do, how do you combat that when they're kind of picking who they want to guard the pick and roll? Well, they're what they're doing is the guard-to-guard -guard pick is a switch. So they're mm -hmm. trying to get Porter right. or Murray or what they label a weaker defender covering Mitchell. Right. I, would, I wouldn't switch that. I would jab, right. jump it, okay. and, and, and go, 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 go under. Okay. You know, jab, jump, make Mitchell veer. The guy goes under you. Everybody goes back to their own doesn't seem like they have a lot of protection of that play. 
They do a lot of slipping. They kind of have a fake screen there. Yeah, yeah. Clarkson's good at that. He might get open on that, but you live with that. I wouldn't give him the guard-to-guard -guard switch. I would keep whoever, Craig or Grant, on Mitchell until I get hit by Gobert. Then yeah. I switch. Gotcha. So then you can kind of control at least who's in that that the one five pick and roll the guard five pick and roll is the one that you're really you're really concerned about um, and you're getting grant on a box out against gobert then i mean you're, you're not going to get you're, you're trying to keep mitchell from the paint and giving them the draw and kick on the perimeter and right. then trying to get out on perimeter on draw on your on time of pass is there, is there any other defensive adjustments that you see? I mean, we can move to the offensive end after this, but are there any other defensive adjustments other than the personnel you just mentioned and then other than those two things, not switching the guards and then trying to stack it? I mean, you're really what you're trying to do is you're trying to stack it so that that Grant is getting to switch onto Gobert on the backside because he's tall, he's long, and he could hopefully contest the, the rebounding. The guy that we have not talked about that I kind of I – don't, I don't understand why he's out of – he seems to be in Malone's doghouse. It's Plumlee. Mm. I've not seen Plumlee and Jokic together. And I think if you play Jokic and Plumlee together, it's, the rules of shot selection are predictable. Plumlee's not going to have a lot of touches. He's got to get his stuff on the board. Offensive and that, like, like he does best, playing hard. Um, but playing big like that um, – you know, then Plumlee's going to – Jokic or Plumlee's going to have to cover Ingles right. or O'Neal. Um, I'm not sure that's the best matchup in the world. Um, okay, but going big like that. Um, I mean, there's that's – usually, That's usually not my belief. When you're not yeah. playing well, go big. I, I go small when I don't play well. But I, I haven't seen that much in the whole bubble. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen him play big. Yeah. Do you what about the offensive end if we go there now? Because I mean, Denver, I think their best option of stopping the Jazz is really just slowing the Jazz more than what they do. I don't know if they're gonna shut the Jazz down, hold them to 80 points. Um offensively, what would you do to try to get some life into the offense? Well, you know, they, right now the efficiency of the offense in game three was killed by the turnovers. Yeah. The turnover just bit you early in the first half, first quarter, the confidence of the game went out the window because they were helping them score. And that was, that was a tough punch. Um, uh, I would go back to my three or four basic plays, go over them in practice, explain what, what they're doing and what I want. And tell my guys that whatever you do, don't rely upon the jump shot as much as maybe rely upon attacking the paint and making a good basketball play. Right now, the, uh, you got a lot of guys out there who want to pull jump shots, and there's not a lot of guys going to the rim. Yeah. Would you be looking for, you know, Jokic in the post? I mean, Denver has kind of gone to some, some of those straight post-ups with, with, oh, in that game three. I mean, would you be trying to extend Gobert out more or trying to attack him with Jokic the, in the post? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> low post is a low efficient offense, even though Jokic is probably in the top five at being good there. Yeah. 
It's point blank, a low efficient offense. It's the worst offense in basketball, I think, for five years. Um, yeah, I go there some. You know, I go there. Maybe I take Jokic out and see if I can play him against their second unit a little bit mm. and get, get him to be that, that special player that we've seen him be. Uh, but in the same sense, uh, I think they got, this is something – they've been a good offensive team. They've been a great offensive team. It's on them to figure it out too. Yeah. Um, is and this is kind of the last one, but just I mean, it sounds like the series isn't over. They say it's over. It's two to one. I th- it, if there's there Utah is at best halfway through this series. Um, do you? Th- how do you look at it with where it's at right now? If you have two blowouts back to back. Have, you know, it tilts obviously, I think, in Utah's favor with where they're at. We talked before the series. We thought Denver had the upper hand in a long series. I think Utah clearly has the upper hand now. But just how would you – what's the status of the series right now, and, and, and how do you see it playing out? What would your, your prediction be for these next couple games? Well, because you're in the bubble, tomorrow I think is a must-win game. Yeah. But once you get back to even tomorrow, you're just trying to figure out how to get to four. What you under what I, I've always I've always felt is unbelievable in NBA playoffs is the second win is harder than the first, the third win is harder than the second, and the fourth win borders on impossible. Right. And the, and Utah's in the same position. You know they they got they still got to get two more. So play your asses off, play tough minded. Make it a fourth quarter game. And, and Jokic and Murray down the stretch, I still think are pretty damn good Yeah, in, in close games. Get it to that and point, you, yeah. And you got to trust that. Yeah. But, you know, right now they're worrying about coming back from 20 points down, which they've done very well in the season. But I haven't checked the numbers. But I think they've done it very well against on the home court Mm. And against mediocre teams. Yeah, yeah. You're not playing a mediocre team now. You can't and you don't have a home court. 10, 15 down every game in the playoffs. That's not a strategy. It's, it, it's, not, it's not healthy, and it takes a lot of energy. And when you fail, you feel awful. You feel, you feel like you got beaten up mentally and physically. Yeah. Well, Coach, I, I enjoyed hearing your insights. I really hope that when we reconvene here after another, you know, two, three games, I really hope that we have a lot more exciting and positive things to, t- to talk about. This was, I think, a tough two-game stretch for Nuggets fans. I think it was a tough two-game stretch for the Nuggets themselves. But that's why it's a seven-game series and not a three-game series. And, and um, I, I'm sure there's a lot more interesting things. Any, any parting thoughts before we, uh, we head to game four? Well, just to be happy, it's a seven-game series. There's still, there's still a lot of hope. You know, you never know in a series. You know, I mean, you know, you might pull something out of your hat today that you didn't think was going to work and does work. You get a little juice back, positive energy back. You got this cloud, negative cloud, go away. 2-2. You can forget about these last two games yeah. if it's 2-2. Yeah. You can move on to how we get three. Yeah. And that's basically the challenge. It's like, it's like when I used to play on the playgrounds in Pittsburgh. You know, the games were to 11. If you won, you stayed on. Right. If you lost, 
you got a long wait. You got a long <laughs> wait to get back on the court. So game 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 four, you gotta win. You gotta win, and then you you'll you'll live to figure out game five and hopefully six and seven. Coach, thank you so much for your thoughts and, and in your analysis. And thank you to everybody who's been listening to this show and following along. Um, don't forget to leave a rating and review. If you're watching, listening to this on iTunes, hit the subscribe button while you're at it. And we're going to be back again here in just a couple days. This bubble's going fast. We're going to be back in a couple days analyzing how this series concluded. And I can't wait for it. Everybody, we'll see you next time. I really enjoyed talking to Coach. And it's funny because right at the end, after we stopped recording, he gave me me personally, what was essentially a little bit of a pep talk, which I thought was so great. He uh, basically just said, hey, it's always for, for teams. It's never, you know, the 30-point wins, the blowout wins are never as good as they look, and the, the losses are never as bad, and teams never feel maybe as um, fatalistic as analysts and as, as fan bases. So it, it was really neat because I, w- I wish I'd have had still been recording at that point because it was really a nice perspective of, you know, sometimes these things look dire, but they're not always dire. There's still hope for Nuggets fans, I think. And there's still concerns if you're a Utah Jazz fan. So I thought that was interesting. To wrap up the show, I'm going to remind you for the third time about the 100 million reasons why you should listen up and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. because They're giving away $100 million in prizes to all of their customers, including one lucky winner who will take home a $1 million cash prize. To claim your share of the $100 million in instant giveaways, all you have to do is download the app and sign up using the promo code DN. VR. Then enter DraftKings free football survivor pool. That's it. That's really all you have to do to claim your share of up to 100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for that $1 million cash prize. Well, the top prize is reserved for just one lucky winner. Everyone who signs up and enters DraftKings free football survivor pool will receive an instant bonus prize of at least $5 in value upon entering. While you're in the app, don't forget to check out all the great odds, boosts, and promotions DraftKings Sportsbook is offering every single day to celebrate this week's basketball and golf actions. Hockey, if you're a hockey guy, check those out. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR to claim your share. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Only term. Uh, other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.